0: So I think I was a junior in college um, and I, I had to stay to make up a class because I switched my major uh, after my freshman year, so I had a bunch of classes to make up in the remaining three years for my new major. Um, and so I had to take one of the summer session classes, which is a couple months long, I don't know, a couple weeks long. Anyway, the point being, uh, I was working for the conference office in Steubenville during the summer and... Um, nothing very glamorous at all. And on this particular day, I was uh, assigned door duty, like to let people in and out of a door. Um, And I remember during or after the men's session, they segregate the the guys and the girls for the high school youth conference. Um, It was the men's session. The speaker came out through the door that I was guarding or in charge of, or whatever I was doing to get paid to stand there. Um, And I, I had known who he was, but I'd never personally met him, and so I kind of just offered something to the effect of like, Oh, good, good talk, father. It sounded good. I don't even think I could hear it, but uh, whatever so and he looked at me with his um, intense demeanor and said, with a gravelly voice while simultaneously thrusting his knuckles hard into my shoulder, Be a priest, you pagan oh. <laughs> To which I sheepishly responded as I rubbed my arm in pain, I don't think that's what the Lord wants for me, Father. And he goes, how do you know? Well, 12 years later, Father Larry Richards knelt before me and asked for my first blessing as a priest uh, in the Cathedral of the Sacred Heart. And he, you know, it was a really joyous time for me um, to have him there at my ordination. And the only reason I bring that up isn't because anything to do with vocations, that none of the readings talk about uh, vocations at all today, but I always think of Father Larry Richards when uh, the reading, the second reading comes up, the, the verse, uh, what is it, verse 15 from 1 Peter chapter 3, when it says, always be able to give a reason for your hope, um, always be ready to give a reason for your hope, uh, because that's actually the name of the foundation he started, it's called the Reason for Our Hope Foundation. Um, and it's an evangelistic outreach. Um, but I always think of him when I hear that verse. And so whenever you know, I hear it, it's a, it's a nice memory for me just because of the way that we met and then the way our friendship has continued over the many years in between. But it is important to always be able to give a reason for our hope. Um, we should be ready to give the reason for our hope as Christians. We should be ready to let people know of the profound effect that the gospel has had in our lives. Maybe it took us from a place of darkness to light, like it did for St. Paul. Or maybe it helped us from a good place to a better one, more like St. Peter. But many people argue about the proof or the existence of God. But what they can never argue about, with our individual lived experience, is what God has already done in each of our lives, and how that action, that work that has been performed, has given us hope. If what he has already done in our lives wasn't reason enough for hope, then we can turn to the gospel today and see that the Lord promises to give us the love of the Trinity. Jesus promises the love of the Father, the love of the Son, and the gift of the Holy Spirit to us. What else is there to be, for us to be joyful over and hopeful for the future about? Jesus promises us the love and the action of the Trinity in our lives. And for our part of the bargain, we try and keep the commandments, to be free from sin and to live in hope. It definitely seems like we're getting the better end of the bargain here. We give him our sinful selves, and he gives us the mysterious, the magnanimous, the mighty Trinity. That in and of itself seems like the only reason we would ever need to hope for the future both in this life and in the next. But this hope is not free of suffering. The second reading also makes it very clear that Christ, though innocent, suffered on behalf of our sins, and so we too will suffer on behalf of Christ. But this suffering is truly a gift a gift that allows us to become more a part of the interior of the Trinity. When we share in the sufferings of Christ, we are able to put to death those things in us that are sinful, and we are raised to life in the Spirit, just as he was. And yet, though we suffer, we have another reason for hope. Jesus promises that he will not leave us orphans or alone in our suffering. He promises us the gift of the Holy Spirit to uplift and sustain us, and to renew us. Yet another reason for hope, that of life in the Spirit. There are so many reasons to despair in the world, but as we joyfully embrace slowly reopening of our state, let us also joyfully embrace the sufferings and the crosses the Lord asks us to endure, knowing that these beautiful gifts are specifically for us, and specifically for our holiness. We know what the Lord has done in our lives already, so we know that he will never abandon us. He will give us the grace to endure and to be victorious over sin. So today, let's find a moment, a time, to to just be thankful for all the Lord is and has done in our lives, and then try to summarize that so if anyone ever asks why it is that we live with so much hope, we would be able to answer them succinctly and well giving glory to God.